So, Rebecca, looking at Europe, is the rise of nationalism the biggest story in terms of uh, what's happening with trade in Europe? If you look at the results of um, the parliamentary European parliamentary elections in May, um, it's hard to um, understate how important the political crisis in Europe is at the moment. Um, Europe's problem is that it has a, um, a collapsing centre ground, and it's that centre ground that has put forward this sort of uh, consensus-based um, convergence, global, let's all work together, multilateral approach to global trade. And the real reason why it isn't working in Europe is because of the imbalances internally within Europe. So you've still got a dominant Germany, you've got countries like Poland, Hungary, Austria, um, Italy, all feeling like they've been somewhat disadvantaged by the dominance of Germany. And you could argue with that because obviously Germany has um, has allocated bits of its supply chain around Europe as well so that those economies have benefited in, in other ways. But the important thing is that these imbalances have created a sense of haves and have-nots and those are about how trade and economic um, economic benefits have fed across Europe over the last well over the last nearly 20 years since the um, beginning of the euro so um, I mean the problem with the euro is that the word euro is associated with crisis rather than growth um, and it's created a real problem for policymakers because pulling everybody together all the member states around around one agenda to uh, promote European competitiveness is not in its remit actually. So Europe is an enabler of member states to become more competitive. It can't have a nationalist and economically nationalist agenda itself. It can say we're promoting European um, competitiveness and we're going to bring our member states up, but we're not actually um, we're not actually able to act as one unit. That is the fundamental paradox for Europe. It acts as a union um, or, or should behave as a union. And in trade terms, the Eurozone acts like a country. So it reports as a country um, and it, it, it behaves as a country. But there are still fiscal inconsistencies. The Germans don't want to transfer union where they basically uh, bail out the deficit regions of Europe. And, and it creates problems within the Eurozone. And that does have an impact on its capacity to be able to compete in this trade war sense against China and the US, and, and arguably in a political sense against Russia as well. So Europe has very big problems at the moment. Certainly, and, and with the uh, yield inversion, and uh, as you say, it's almost impossible to reflate the European economy as a, as a, as a whole. Um, uh, what what's what could change? So I think um, I actually think trade is the way out. Europe is a trading block. It is the most powerful and most successful trading block in the world. It is the longest lasting trading block in the world as well. So apart from the United Kingdom, ironically. Um, so 
it's it's been incredibly successful in doing two things it's kept peace in europe treaty of rome and it's been and the other thing that it's done is it's created um, a single european market which has allowed the free movement of goods and services and finance and and people um around and and it has increased the level of overall trade now a lot of its critics will say well basically that's germany but you also have to look at um you also have to look at some of the um newer accession countries the ones that have come in more recently like poland and hungary and the czech republic in particular has actually done very well out of um german-based supply chains so how can how can europe actually come to the table and compete um, it is the solution its policymakers may not think this at the moment but this could work through european-based banks it is the solution to us dollar hegemony in trade finance um, and the trade system because um, you still got a very large number of um, transactions that are priced in euros compared to let's say yen or or the renminbi the renminbi is still only tiny in comparison to um, europe and the euro um, and so if we're looking at alternatives to the us dollar the euro is actually a vehicle for um for um being a trade finance currency effectively the relationship and the correlation between Europe's trade and uh, the value of the euro on on um, on exchange markets on spot markets is very high. It's about seventy five percent. In other words, the euro is not used as a speculative currency. It is basically a measure of the trade strength of the region. What that means is that if there are more products and services priced in euros the euro becomes an alternative to the us dollar now whether or not european policymakers or or european banks have the collective power and the collective will to change that um, is obviously debatable it doesn't change the issue that we have for example with iranian sanctions and the instex the uh, special purpose vehicle to trade with iran um, but it would help create an alternative to US dollar hegemony. Yes, uh, and I guess we also still call the UK part of Europe, which it obviously will, will continue to be regardless of the Brexit. Um, is, uh, what are we seeing in terms of UK trade? And I, I mentioned the B word and I managed to avoid it last time around more or less. <laughs> how, how, is, how is trade holding up between so, UK and Europe? Um, so, uh, the UK's trade um, imports have been falling back and exports have been falling back um, just statistically over the last over the last couple of years. The the, the trade uh, flow has 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 sort of slowed slightly, particularly in terms of imports into the UK. Now, why is that worrying? That's worrying because it suggests that supply chains are slowing and they're already being moved somewhere else in the wake of Brexit and you know one of the reasons why we didn't talk about brexit last time around was for all of that much was because we didn't know what was going to happen one of the reasons why we are talking about it now is because we still don't know what's going to happen and 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 i think um i think what we are beginning to see and i've sat on conference panels and i've looked at our data and i've looked at um i've i've, I've looked at um coverage of all of this what we are beginning to see 
um, is the volumes being traded in sterling and the risk on the UK to the UK market of um, countries and businesses outside of Europe just going, we can't touch it at the moment because we don't know what's going to happen. That is the real risk that's happening. So I was talking to a, a or rather I was sitting on the panel with um, somebody from uh, one of the big sort of SME um, finance organisations and they were saying we're actually finding it very difficult to get um, to get investment into um, our crowd funds um, in sterling to support UK exporters because people just don't want to invest in sterling at the moment. Now that's one story, but but the problem for both um, UK businesses and for European businesses is that while there's this uncertainty, they just don't know what to do, and and that is you know if you're a bmw then as i said at the as at the frankfurt motor show what do you do you decide to move production you move it back you move it elsewhere um and we won't see any of this in the data this is the worrying thing we won't see any of this in the data for the time being um we will see it in a year two years time um you hear rumours about it, but the problem is it takes a while to work through into the data and by then it's too late. And effectively, the reason again for talking about it now is because um, a lot of the signs are that we've already had a no-deal Brexit, if you like, because that's what companies had to prepare for at Christmas. That's what yeah, and we saw the distortions of inventory build up in in in, in uh, playing out uh, yeah. after Easter, um, and I guess uh, we'll probably see the similar sort of thing up to the run up to um, Halloween um, again, so, to a lesser extent. Possibly, possibly we will see that, but I think um, when we didn't leave the European Union um, in March, the general sense out there was that. Um, that few that's put it onto the back burner um let's wait until the next SA crisis comes along to coin a cameron phrase um let's wait until we're at the last minute again um and let's solve our political issues and um they aren't being solved and the issue hasn't gone away but the problem is that um it's almost at the point now where businesses don't believe um that this is ever going to happen and if that is if that is the case, they are not making the preparations, meaning that, um, you know, and even the government is saying, well, we need four or five months to prepare for a no deal Brexit. And we put all of our plans on hold after after March. So there aren't the plans being undertaken. So, again, um, without wanting to sound like a Ramona, there is a huge amount of uncertainty out there. And we don't know how this is going to work, which is why investors are holding back at the moment. Absolutely. In terms of the rest of Europe, I mean, we, obviously we're not the, uh, the UK is not the only ones with, with big political um, problems. In fact, very few that don't have big political problems at the moment. Are there any uh, light, lighter spots uh, in, say, for instance, in terms of the Nordics or in terms of technology or in, in terms of trade that we should be looking at as well? Well, I actually, I, 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 am, um, I am a Germanophile, but I actually think Germany um, is is still a beacon it's still trading its trade is still very robust against the backdrop of a weakening world climate um, and that has a a knock-on effect for example for for countries like the czech republic the czech republic um, has done 
um, has done a huge amount to compete at the high-end um, tech, high, high tech in automation and robotics, for example. That's an area where um, it has a lot of strength. You've, um, you've um, in, in the Nordic countries, I mean, we've, had, we've seen, um, as, as we've talked about before, um, we saw a spike in imports of arms as a sort of protection against, um, against some of the broader geopolitical conflicts and some of the tensions on the Baltic states. Uh, that has slowed down, so I guess um, it was a one-off expenditure. Um, we are seeing um, we are seeing a sense that um, Europe itself is pulling together a little bit more than we might have expected to it to in the wake of um, the political votes because unless Europe pulls together and starts to become more cohesive um, the, 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 the whole system will fall apart and so its approach towards um, Brexit and its approach towards the United States and trade negotiations with the United States has been absolutely unanimous um, and absolutely clear. And I think that's a very, very positive message for uh, the cohesiveness of Europe in the future. Rebecca, thank you. Thank you.